All right, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. It's the month of May, so we're already thinking about the big Murph workout that's coming here at the end of the month. Murph is one of the most iconic workouts in the entire CrossFit functional training landscape. It's become uh, something that like has permeated normal pop culture a little bit, right? Normal fitness culture, at least, and become something that a lot of people, whether you do CrossFit, don't do CrossFit, you know about this workout. Murph, aka Body Armor, honoring Michael P. Murphy, Operation Red Wings, um, obviously a great story, lone survivor. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie or read that book, you should get into it. Um, and really an inspiring individual all around. The 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 medal, the posthumous Medal of Honor commendation speech for Michael P. Murphy is one of the most uh, moving speeches uh, I've ever heard. And uh, obviously uh, a hero and somebody who gave his life for our country. And the workout is a really great way, not only to honor Murph, but honor all of our men and women who have uh, given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. But let's talk about the workout. We've got <clears throat> Murph workout. It's also called body armor. It's four time, a one mile run. You have 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and you can partition that work in the middle any way that you want, any numbers of reps, numbers of rounds, however you want to do it. You just got to get it done. And then you finish with a one mile run. And then the caveat to this is if you have a 20 pound vest or body armor that you're going to wear it the entire workout. And this workout, you know, without a vest can be done in around like 30 minutes if you're really moving. With a vest, it's a, a little bit of a longer haul there, 45 to an hour, hour plus for, for a lot of people if they're getting after it and they um, you know, need a little bit more time. But what we want to talk about today, Max, is what? How, how much awesome you love? Yo, can we can we talk about how MDV sounds like just like a Bill Withers smooth right now with this, this new mic audio, he's got going? <laughs> yeah. It only took me I'll... 117 episodes. I'm just yeah. over here melting listening to you. Yeah, I know, God, right? Damn. Just just feeling like a peasant with Smooth. my freaking AirPod Pros. Um, yeah, it does. Just MDV, uh, yeah. like just just caramel, just dripping down my body right now. <laughs> oh, I feel like wow. Bruno Mars. Okay, that's that's <laughs> no, dude, that's, don't go that far. Nobody's Bruno Mars smooth. He's yeah. gosh, he's pretty smooth. He's pretty smooth. I just saw he's he's playing a bunch of shows in Vegas end of end of May and into June. He's a fantastic performer. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to see him live, but I would 100% go to see him live. There's a really funny picture of Bruno Mars. So at the peak of Fallout Boy fame, Pete Wentz, who's the bassist, who was like, of course, this comes back to Fall Out Boy. Yeah, yeah, always everything should. <laughs> I've been hammering that new album. Oh, I'm, I'm already in the top one percent, top zero one percent of listening to that album. Um, <laughs> Englewood, Colorado, July 9th, I think. Who's coming with me? You coming out? I'm definitely going to be going to. A Why don't you guys come shows. out for a show? You guys can stay with me. Sounds yep, nice. I'm in. Let's invite all of our listeners, all of our two listeners. Our moms. They can stay with us. Let's go. Um, I actually was, I was talking to Andy Hurley. Tell the Pete Wentz story. Hurley, big uh, CrossFit functional training guy. And he says that this is one of his favorite albums. Really, really cool. He's the drummer for the band. Um, oh, the Pete Wentz story. Anyway, so Pete Wentz at the height of his fame when he was like dating Ashley Simpson and like, you know, from under the cork tree was out and sugar were going down is playing on every fucking radio in the country was walking down the street in Hollywood and got recognized by uh, not famous yet Bruno Mars. And it's a really funny picture because Pete is like walking and he's at the height of fame and Bruno Mars is just like 
some guy on the street who's not famous just yet and like awestruck by Pete Wentz. Anyway, let's get back to talking about fitness workout. I do wonder what it's like to walk, like to be a Bruno Mars or like a, um, I don't know, like an usher. Like, what's it like to walk around with that much skill and talent and hard work? And you know, like, oh, I can dance, I can sing, I can play instruments. Like, it's a, it's a I walk down the street existence. and there's just no pressure to be me because I suck so much. Stop. You know, but it's like imagine Stop. being one of those guys, like. <laughs> I'd be freaked out to do anything, you know, that level, that level of fame. Um, when you get to the level of people like Bruno Mars and Usher and like whoever else, right. Adele, Taylor Swift, it's gotta be unbelievably, um, it's gotta be suppressive. It's gotta almost be something that's like impossible to deal with, impossible to even put yourself in that perspective, into that situation, have perspective on what their lives must be like. You know how hard those people must be fucking working all the time when they're touring and traveling, obviously getting to do something that they really love, but like how much work goes into that? And how much time are you on the road? Uh, I mean, yeah, honestly, Taylor Swift's a beast. She's like, I think she's on tour right now. It's kind of a lot like my life. So I mean, speaking from speaking from experience, it's very hard being me. So um, <laughs> every day is this a struggle. Is, but this is this is actually a, a good topic, I think, to talk about for coaches, right? Because group coaching and the adulation you get as a coach inside of a CrossFit gym is not Taylor Swift fame level, but it's still way more than probably most people get to experience in their life. Like the amount of tension that gets put on you as a coach. Um, is pretty big. And I think more attention than most people get to handle and especially how well coaches are liked and mm -hmm. how well CrossFit members listen to coaches. Like I was, how old was I? 20 something. And I had a room of 20 adults who were probably making way more money than me, had more kids, way more life experience. And Hey, squat down, stand up, push your knees out, do this. And they were just bang, bang, snap too. Um, it's probably really easy as a, as a coach to let that go to your head. And now that I think of it, it makes sense why some coaches just do so much just to please the crowd, right? They stop. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to get these guys to like me. Um, there's something there to talk about. I think. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's, def there's well, definitely something there. A lot, you know, like yeah, you guys don't give a shit. All right, let's talk about. Murphy. No, 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 I, no, I think no. that this is a first great off, topic. First we, off, I, hold I, on. I like it. James. So we were going to talk about Murph prep, which we will get there in a minute. We'll talk about the Murph workout, but Leah, let's talk about this. Um, this kind of putting coaches on a, on a pedestal and the responsibility that comes along with it. Max, what do you got? No, I, uh, I, I agree. It's like, uh, it's the, it's the superhero thing. Like great power comes great responsibility. So you're, you're a hundred percent right. What that's, I mean, it's, it, it does always come back to some type of, but has that ever crossed, crossed your mind? Cause like I went to your wedding and you had a lot of members from your gym at your wedding and to hear the way that they talk about you, and the influence you've had on their life. I mean, some of these people run multi-million dollar companies and to see how they treat you, it's incredible, you know? Um, and have you ever stopped to think about like, holy shit, like I've probably had a bigger impact on some of these people's lives than some important family member or something like that. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. That's why I got into coaching in the first place. You know, like this is something that, that I think about all the time is as, as silly as it sounds, you know, it's like, you know, what's your, why I know people talk about this all the time and I know it sounds very cheesy, but, but for me, it's always been to um, pay things forward because my life has been um, positively impacted by uh, teachers, coaches, and mentors that I've had in my life. 
And so from a young age, that that was everything behind becoming a teacher and now eventually becoming a coach. And now uh, in a role where I'm coaching coaches, it's it's always been the same thing, which is, you know, being able to to pay it forward because I know how much of an impact one person can have in another person's life. I, I think that's that that's honestly one of one of the best parts about doing what we do right yes the 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 fitness side is incredibly important but we can make you know huge changes in people's lives far more than the thruster and the pull-up um no it's something some that i think about a lot and uh it's also you know what i think about most days going going into work and and what we're doing is you know how am i going to make that impact today and also what am i going to wear because if you are going to be looked at as a demigod you at least have to put some type of effort into <laughs> what you're wearing so Fury i drip nonstop yeah no i mean you know it's prada this gucci that but you know i'm just trying to make an impact so I, I wonder, you know, that's so interesting, like, but what keeps you from the egomania of that, right? Like, I think there's a difference between saying, I want to pay it forward and help others and saying, hey, I can have a more important impact on somebody's life than they can have on their own life. You know, like sort of um, usurping their agency and thinking that your impact on their life is the most important thing. Well, this is... um. No, this is this yeah, is MDV. something that Let MDV go. No, hold on. No, 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 no. no. See, this is your ego so, inflated right now. Yeah, no, Max, actually, you, you take over the, the you take over the show. You go. Welcome to the intro, with the Maxtro. Yeah, the Maxtro, <laughs> the, the Maestro, <laughs> the Maestro, um, the Maxtro. So no, we we spoke great with Seinfeld all of our episode. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. The and Maestro, and he's, and he's playing pool with, with the, the little uh, with the little conductor stick. <laughs> yeah. What is it? And, and it and it snaps, and then yeah. he goes to conduct at the end, and it's all terrible. There, you don't even need to watch the episode. They have their um, pants off playing pool in, in the little room. In the little room that yeah. you can't you can't fit a normal p- pool cue. Uh, no, we were actually talking to all the coaches yesterday about ego, and um, that. A lot of the times when we're talking about ego, we think about, you know, all all the negative side effects, you know, or all the negative sides of having an ego, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about here. But also there's this other side of it, right? So there's there's the id, the superego, and the the ego is essentially the, the combination of the two. Uh, not to get too Freudian on here, we'll have somebody's mom in soon. Um, so what what we are talking about is the uh is the superego is actually the the morals and kind of that that north star whereas the the id is a lot more of um of the um what's the word i'm looking for here james um it's it's your um you know rash decision stuff like this so anyway long story short um the the ego part of this is also helping you with problem solving also helping you with you know, tactile conflict resolution, all all this other stuff. So as, as a coach, it's super important to take the negative side effects, you know, the the triggers out of the ego and focus in on how can you make things about uh, about your client, something mm-hmm. like that. It is really, uh, when you kind of step back and think about it, you have in a lot of CrossFit gyms, you have a lot of people who have disposable income and they're, they're, they're there paying a good amount of money to be in this room with you. And in a lot of the gyms that I've been a part of and I've coached at within that group, 
there are also a lot of people that are very successful, very, very, you know, whether they're type A successful or they're just kind of, uh, you know, very successful in their own right and maybe not as type A, but they're, they, for some reason, CrossFit tends to attract a lot of people who are go-getters, who are, who are successful, who have a lot of things going on in their life. And it is really, um, when you step back and you think about it and you think about, wow, I'm standing in front of these 15 to 20 people and, you know, 10 of them are, are CEOs or whatever they have, you know, all these kinds of accolades and they've done this and done that. And, and then you, you think about how, how they listen to you and how you have this, um, like, I don't want to say power, but you have this ability to kind of communicate with them and, and manage the, them in a group. And it does become, um, a bit uh a bit interesting about how the power dynamic there kind of shifts um, because outside the walls of uh this crossfit gym you know obviously you can be friends with with people and different backgrounds all that kind of stuff but traditionally those types of people may not necessarily be looking to you as like a number one influencer in their lives or somebody who's going to like really bring them some sort of you know tremendous uh output for for what they're putting in for their time um but yeah i mean i i do think it can go to i do think it can go to your head i do think it can be um utilized irresponsibly um but i i also agree with max i think that one of the the coolest parts about being able to coach is being able to share that gift that great coaches have with everybody no matter if they're somebody who's very successful or somebody who's you know um you know somewhere down the ladder but being able to go out there and, and perform I, group, the more I think about group style training and, and coaching, there is a huge element of performance that goes into it. And yes, obviously the knowledge needs to be there. You have to know your movements. You have to know your points of performance. You have to know your faults. You have to know the quick cues to correct them. You have to know what works best for you and your athletes, time management, all that kind of stuff, the soft skills that go into it. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff is in there. But like, if your classes aren't a well put together performance that have this ebb and flow of teaching inspiration and uh, education and, and fun, I, I, I don't think that you captivate the way that you could. And um, it's been something that I've been thinking really deeply about, you know, we're launching a new coaching course at NC Fit called Coach Like a Pro. And it cool. is very deeply about how, how do you master this idea of, of performance on the floor, not just mm -hmm. mastering the movements, but mastering the performance of it. That's really cool. Um, I'm still curious to know this, this, how you guys, how you guys stay away from, um, letting your ego take over and letting it all go to your head. But the mastering of the performance thing is, is something that's always really been interesting to me because I often, when it comes to coaching, I hear people talk about coaching development and then they get to things like presence and attitude. And it's like, well, you can't teach it. And I'm like, well, if you can't teach it, then we didn't develop it. And when we had it, it didn't get better. And if we can't teach it, then we're not worth all our salt as developing other coaches. So it's always really frustrated me when people say that. And I try to think about a lot. Um, what things can you do? We've talked about this before to help people be better at the performance aspect of coaching. Cause like you said, um, there is something to it. And I mean, of course you can, of course you can teach it, right? Like there's acting school, there's performance school. Like there are methods to doing this better. Toastmasters. Toastmasters. Exactly. That's a perfect one. Um, but I don't know. Public, I think about, public I, speaking courses. 
that's public speaking courses. Um, it's cool that you guys are, are doing a course like that. Cause I think it's something that a lot of coaches probably don't think about enough. Um, well, this is, uh, the, the, the presence and attitude thing, James, I, I think what you said is really important because it's such a cop-out answer. Oh, you can't, you can't, you can't teach presence and attitude. It's like, well, you certainly can develop it in, in your coaches, but what MDV said, he hit the nail right on the head. It's like, let's first develop these, like these soft skills. Like, can you go through a progression for the thruster? Can you get your classes to start and end on time? Like you have to have the, the framework of a good class to be able to have a real performance, right? Because if you don't have the framework of the class, everything else is kind of null and void, right? But I did, um, I did hear a cool statistic yesterday, and it was, um, it was about um, TED Talks. And uh, just anybody that doesn't know, TED Talks are invented by this guy Ted, and um, <laughs> no, I think it's uh, <laughs> technology, education, and design. I think yeah, that's, invented uh, by Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about it's from a bear. Um, so no, so they they were they were they were going over like the most popular TED talks, and I guess they you know said it was most popular by like however many you know times it was streamed or watched or whatever, and the most popular TED talk um had like zero facts in it like all these other ted talks where they're actually giving like real facts and and real knowledge it had like zero facts in like 17 stories mm. like that's like that, that that that's the most popular ted talk which is great for me because i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about most of the time but can tell a good story no but the thing that the thing that's really really interesting to me is um that's what's bringing people in. Yes, it, it like in in the CrossFit space, you have to know your stuff. You have to know your progressions, all of that. But then the most popular CrossFit coaches are probably the coaches that are just the best at performing, right? Because when you're when you're coaching a CrossFit class for for GPP, you're coaching for the ninety nine percent. It's, you know, the same thing when I talk to any coach about teaching Olympic lifting. I'm like, don't you ever talk about the first, second, and third pole? And then, you know, let's let's not, you know, like, let's not teach all these nuancey things. Like, let's get people, if you're teaching the snatch, to jump and punch. Mm. You know, like, can you can you get people to do that? And then can you make it fun for them to do that, right? Like the – and so I – I, I'm a hundred percent like with both of you, like the, the performance piece is, is the most important part and to get better at that. The things that you have to do are one, like MDV said, get all those skills down Two, put in a ton of repetitions. And then three, actually know like what your style is of a coach. Like not every single coach is going to coach the same style. And, and the other thing is honestly, it's to, either videotape yourself coaching or get consistent and consistent feedback from class participants that you trust or a mentor level coach. But truly like ask any, any athlete in your class after like, Hey, do you have a good time in class? And if they're being honest with you, they're, they're going to tell you exactly where they were at. Yeah. You know, Dr. Sean, you guys know Dr. Sean Pastu. She's a uh, the founder of Active Life, um, East Coast guy. Been in the the CrossFit space for a while. Yeah, 
throwing up the East Coast signs. Um, he he calls it or used to call it fitness entertainment. And at first, it really pissed me off. It really rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, I'm not a fitness entertainer. I'm not out here dancing on tables, spinning plates for these people. But then like I started to take a step back and, you know, I actually think that that's a really good way to describe what you need to do in a group class environment. It's very, very different. And obviously this is dependent on what type of fitness experience you're trying to bring to your athletes. Like if, if you are advertising that you are uh, a, a technician's um, a technician first type of experience that this is a place where you're going to go and you're going to drill. And this is going to be, you know, very, very structured and, you know, solely technically result oriented type of, um, fitness. And you're going to lift on platforms and, you know, everybody's going to be doing everything by the book all the time. I think that that's a whole different experience. And I also think that personal training, one-on-one training is a completely different experience, but when you are out there delivering uh, a workout to a group class and and you're you know teaching GPP and you know you have people from all walks of life coming in and they're they're coming in yes for the fitness but they're also coming in for sharing this experience with you and their classmates 100% that's fitness entertainment like if you're fucking boring why would anybody want to be there i mean fun is a really big element and entertainment of what we do. And it is really kind of shocking to me that a lot of the coach education out there is for what we do in the, the group fitness space is solely movement based. That's that's not enough. I think that that's a, simply a prerequisite to being able to step on the floor. But like, James, you'll, you'll maybe empathize with this. When you go to law school, they don't teach you how to be a lawyer. They just teach you how to think. They teach you yeah. how to how to think like a lawyer, but you don't really learn any of the practical to-dos of what like a day-to-day lawyer is gonna do. You just simply get education on on case law and and, and things like that. And I remember so, when I when I did my first internship, um, I was working under a chief of appeals in the district attorney's office, and he kept telling me, Stop writing, stop thinking like you're in law school. <laughs> Which was um, really, which was very confusing feedback. But James, I get what he, I get what he meant now. <laughs> James, what what advice would you give uh, a coach who is looking to become better at the the performance aspect of coaching? Like, what what are the things that that you did? Right, I mean, let's let's be serious here. Like, as a coach, you're one of the most dynamic coaches out there. You've you've done it all. Coached on all platforms, in affiliate, outside an affiliate, level one flowmaster you've done, you've done everything. So what's the, what's the biggest piece of advice um, that you could give somebody on, on how to become better at the performance aspect of coaching? I mean, besides from like the, 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 like, like the really trite, but, but no less important master the basics. Cause when you're not on the floor worried about the points performance, you can be a more authentic version of yourself. You can tell jokes you can take the class through an ebb and flow of energy. Aside from that piece, I don't think it's not important, but everyone always says just master the basics and everything else will fall into place. Well, it's not quite the case, but it is part of it. Um, the other one that I really like, and I don't think this gets you to the end point 
from the start, but it does give you a starting point, which is teach a class that you would want to take. You That's know, really, really good advice. Because I think it, it allows you to self-reflect, right? Like if I tell a lot of jokes or however I roll with it, um, it'll allow me to assess and be like, hey, was that a class other people like taking as well? Great. If not, what can I change? But I would yeah. say consistently for a while, run a class that you would want to take um, and then see how people react to that. I think right. that's a really good starting point because it also prevents you like I watch Max run a class and he's great at telling jokes, the one liners kind of incorporating, you know, things outside of class and relating them back to class. And that's not an energy or a skill that I necessarily have. So if I just go out and I'm like, oh, I think he's a great entertainer when he coaches. So I'm going to go be like him. I might not have that skill set, but if I can coach a class that I think would be entertaining, yeah, I can then reflect and be like, all right, here's my strong points. Here are my weak points. Here's what I shouldn't do again. Like, cool. When I crack jokes, I'm awkward as hell. Probably shouldn't tell those jokes. Um, no, I think it's a good, good starting point. Jokes. I like, well, uh, I, I get no respect. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to say really quickly, <laughs> knowing knowing who you are as a coach is really important knowing your strengths knowing your weaknesses knowing what your authentic coaching voice is and sounds like and and knowing how to deliver that in a way um that comes across and and is genuine i think that's really important um the other thing that i think is really important when you think about we were talking about very successful entertainers earlier we we're talking people people like Taylor Swift and Adele and Bruno Mars, there's no doubt in my mind, like when those people take the stage, that the only fucking thing that they're worried about or concerned about is the performance for the sake of the people who are watching them, for the sake of the people who are being entertained, yep. not for the sake of the entertainer. And I think that that's a really important difference. And we've talked about this before that like, going out there on the floor and doing it selfishly or doing it for yourself or doing it without considering the needs and the wants of the people you're bringing this workout to this class to this entertainment to is a huge fundamental error and i i think that you're always going to be playing from behind if that's the the mentality that you take when you're taking the floor you know it's yeah, funny you, you say you phrase it that way i was just because this conversation got me thinking of some quotes that einstein had said so i was just searching through them and one of the quotes that I didn't expect to find was essentially what you just talked about was be a person of um, value rather than being a person of success. You know, it was like, and I think that's really important, right? Because if you're constantly adding value to that class in, in front of you, whether you want it or not, the success will come, right? That's a byproduct. But if I'm always just chasing, hey, I just want them to like me. Hey, I just want them to pay attention. Hey, I just want them to clap for me. You might not be adding value to them. You might just be doing yeah. that that one thing that doesn't have any meaning. But anyway, Max, no, that's what, uh, what no, no. I I was just I was just agreeing, co-signing on everything. I think that, like you said, as a like when a performer goes on stage, their biggest focus is to make it about the audience. They you know they're they're looking to get the audience involved. You know they're going to play the classics, like play the new stuff. Like I, I, everything that they're doing is for is for the audience, and that's what we talk to all of our coaches about. You get onto the coaching floor and it's about your members, right? And in the, the examples that we gave yesterday in this coaching development was, you know, a member comes up to you, they've 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 showed up late 
and they're like, oh, hey, um, could you explain the workout again? And, you know, every single coach wants to be like, well, actually, I already briefed the workout at the beginning of class. And if you were on time, you would have heard it. But that's not that's not actually coaching for your members. You know, the, the response is, yeah, totally fine. This is the workout. Like, you know, like you have you also have no clue why that person was late or anything like this. But but again, these are like these like coaching triggers. And if you're making it about you, if you're making class about you, it's it's really easy. Or how about this? Like you're doing double unders in, in a workout and somebody comes up and they're like, hey, um, I'd really like to do, you know, step back lunges today. You know, and you're like, no, fuck that. It's double unders. You got to do double unders today. Like or like, yeah, totally fine. <laughs> or, I'm just saying like like. No, but it's it's a really it's good point. You, you, you know, you're or or like how about you know you're like you know what yeah you're like step back lunges that sounds cool like put a vest on. No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to try and bring it back <laughs> to what we're talking about, but but um a- anyway, like make it about the members and like James said, make make it a class that you want to take. And here's the last tip: um, know about stuff more than just fucking CrossFit. Like um, yeah, actually, like here here's a great tip, and I, I'm not being sarcastic here read a book, right? Like read books, watch interesting shows, like learn about things outside of the CrossFit world, like be able to add value to your classes outside of teaching the thruster and the pull-up. Like if, if you're this like one trick pony and like the only thing that you know how to talk about is just fucking doing thrusters and pull-ups. It's like, dude, you could get this anywhere, you know? So like, and, and again, I'm not saying that everybody's got to be the next Rodney Dangerfield. Like you don't need to be cracking jokes all the time, but you also should have a firm grasp on other things that are going on in the world. Like you actually like, you know, like MDV saying like, you know, you're going to make this huge impact on somebody's life. The only way you're going to do that is by bettering yourself. I obviously think mm-hmm. that you should be going through, I think you should be going through professional development and all this other stuff that, you know, CrossFit or NC Fit or all these other companies are offering. But like, if you're not actually, if you're not out there in your time off absorbing, you know, other, other information, learning other things, like, First off, fuck, man, that does not sound like a fruitful life. Like uh, you should be going out there and, and experiencing other things so that you can bring it back into your classes to add more value to your classes. Like if the whole idea is to give your members everything and only thing you focus on is this one fucking narrow thing of CrossFit and functional fitness, it's like how much of an impact are you really going to make? Yeah. It, right? I mean, and this I, is this is a, I, such a great point, Max. Such a great point. It's yeah. obviously – the main kernel of knowledge that you need to have control of. You need to have control of your knowledge of fitness, movement, health, wellness, nutrition. You have to be able to talk about those things. You have to be able to deliver them. When you don't know something, you have to be able to go and look it up, find out the answer, bring it back to your people. But yeah, how fucking boring is it if that's the only thing that you ever talk about is just workouts if that it's just fitness and this is outside of the class environment too in the class environment yes time and place you can certainly infuse other conversation other color other things that you're thinking about or you know books that you've read or shows that you watch or things that you've experienced or things that are on your horizon but outside of the class environment for sure the equation all almost flips for me so when you're in the class environment 
it's like maybe like 80% that you're talking about, obviously the, the technical things that are going on, the movements, the workouts, all that kind of stuff. And you can infuse humor into that and your own personality, obviously presence and attitude. We've talked about it till we're blue in the face, but yeah, there's also room in that class to add things in about other things that might be going on or topics for discussion. This can also go incredibly inc incredibly oh, wrong yeah for well, well, the, the fucking train can go off the rails so well, first easy. off but, yeah, but first I, I think that i think the, the the piece here sorry hold on just one no, second when, when you step outside of the class environment maybe you're at like a, a barbecue or maybe you see somebody or you're grabbing coffee like can you flip that equation are you able to as a person a more well-rounded human being are you able to have 80 percent of the conversation be about life outside of the gym and then 20 percent be about in the gym and obviously these percentages into fucking making up but like it's it's cool to think about it that way but james what were you gonna say no i was just gonna say on max's point and your point and going back to where we started you know like how do you avoid the ego trip is that i think if you're constantly putting yourself in the space of the novice and the learner like that's where the humility comes from you know and i think um like you said, when you're in class and everyone's listening to you it is this really incredible a little bit of a power trip experience like the fact that like, you can get a group of 20 adults to, hey, squat down and push your knees out, stretch and put your hand behind your head. Like they are just snapping too. And, and they listen to you in ways that like, they don't even listen to their significant others. Oh, um, yeah, right. But I yeah. think one of the ways it allows you to still relate to them and them to you is for you to constantly be in the position of a learner and sharing that with them, right? You have your expertise where it's your expertise. But like you said, read a book, go out, learn something new, watch a show, you know, practice that kind of stuff. Cause I do think that helps you stay humble. Um, cause you remember what it is like to be someone who doesn't know everything and everyone isn't listening to you at the drop of a dime. And that's really, really, really important. A, a good buddy of mine, um, Jonathan Haynes, and, uh, he's worked at CrossFit for a long time yep. on the is publishing he, side of the house. Is he heir to the Haynes T-shirt fortune, or is that somebody else? He, he um, he is. Yeah, just solely okay, the I underwear. Not, I don't know. He might be <laughs> just the under, just, just the, the underwear, underwear. Side of that. just the no. just the jockey side. <laughs> he once was telling me, um, because I was talking to him a lot about just Instagram content and things like that, and he was saying, you know, keep creating stuff for free because it'll force you to make things that are really valuable and think about them in a new way. And it's, it's, it's true because it's like, when you create something for free, it's really hard to grab people's attention and create something that's valuable. So you really have to dig in. It pushes you pretty hard. Again, I think there was like an essence of like a, a lesson in humility there, but um, no, I love what you said, Max. Yeah, totally agree guys. Um, Good lesson. Where did we start this podcast? We were talking, so we went through the whole, we, Michael so we have, P. We Murphy. Have, we have 15 minutes left, and we were talking about we were talking about Murph prep, Murph. and um, that's that's talk about talk about social media. This is this is what we're being inundated by. Well, I'm not, but a lot of people are. In there are all these Murph prep programs, mm. and uh, nothing grinds my gears more than than a specific Murph prep. Um, Tell because me I, cause I'm just of the belief that you just do your programming and you're probably going to be okay. And the, the Murph workout is an incredibly special workout. It's not about doing it quote unquote RX. It's about going out there, doing the workout, just like you do any other workout and you can modify it the same way. Like, sure. I think that 
So one thing that I think is incredibly unique and special about CrossFit is the the hero workout. I think it's um it's some it's something that I believe is unique to to the CrossFit fitness program. I don't think there are there are very many other fitness programs that do anything like this that that honor honor it's heroes the, the way that CrossFit does. Definitely most popularized within the CrossFit community for sure. Right. So I think that I think that rightfully so these workouts are put on a pedestal as 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 they are incredibly special. I think mm-hmm. that sometimes um, people can get lost in the sauce and think that, oh, you know, anytime there's a hero workout program, I'm I'm disrespecting the hero if I if I'm doing it scaled where I'm I'm of the belief that the most important part of doing a hero workout is doing the hero workout. So it's that somebody's memory is living on through your effort. As long as you are putting effort into the workout that you're doing, which of course you are, however you do it is totally fine. Mm. And I think that, and and this is something that I see in, in the CrossFit world years and years and years, which is, you know, people are essentially living their fitness life for this one workout. It's like, you know, I've had people come up to me in, in, in my gym and they're like, Hey, I think I'm going to do Murph unpartitioned with the vest. And, um, you know, the first question that I have is, well, what Murph prep program are you on? Um, well, (laughs) well, I actually disagree a little bit here, but I want to hear. Oh, good. No, no. Well, my thoughts have changed on this as well. Um, I used to be more in the camp of Max where I, I thought Murph prep was a gimmick. Um, and I, I do think that there's part of it that is a little bit gimmicky. Um, if uh, the most important, let, let me, let me clarify. The most important thing that you can be doing is training consistently and appropriately for the type of volume that whatever test you're going into is, uh, prepares you for essentially. So, this means actively staying uh, in the gym. This means three to four days a week of training over a long period of time. This means being accustomed to many types of uh, stimulus, uh, exposure to high volume, low volume, heavy loading, light loading. If if you want to be ready for anything, the, the, the answer to that is doing a general physical preparedness program, GPP CrossFit, for a long period of time. And then appropriately looking at the workout and understanding where you're at and and how you can approach it. Murph is a big workout. It's a huge workout. It's a lot of volume. It's probably up there with, you know, the highest volume of workouts that get programmed in all of CrossFit throughout a year, single year, right? So it's, it's a big moment. And there's something about this workout because of how it has kind of escaped the CrossFit sphere and become this bigger thing that a lot of people who are in CrossFit and out of CrossFit look at this and they go, I want to do this. I get so fired up. I'm getting so fired up to do this. All my buddies are doing it. People around the world who I know are doing it. And I really want to get after it and I want to go. And I think that it's hard for people to take that step back and to understand that they, even if they have been working out a little bit or going to CrossFit a couple of times a week, or they've done a couple of workouts that have high volume, that they might not be ready for this workout. They might not be ready to do it as it's written. And that's okay. I think it's okay to to not be in a position to, to do that. You have to understand that. You have to have a conversation with your coach. Where I do think things like Murph prep can be helpful for people is there 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 is a physiological and also um, psychological readiness that you can develop 
over a shorter period of time to put yourself in a position to be successful in this workout. And I do think that over the course of a month or two months that somebody who is close to the point of being ready for this this workout, whether it's as prescribed or if it's a step above where they have done in the past, that they can use a, a more specific prep program to actually go out there and perform the workout and, and accomplish their goals. And who am I to say that they shouldn't do it or it's a gimmick or it's like, hey, it's lame that you're doing that or, hey, look back at your year and you should have trained more to be in a position to do this workout. I think that's a little fucked up from my perspective to say that. I What I will always say is the most important thing for this workout is to recognize where you're at and respect where you're at because you can put yourself into a really bad place by doing this workout wantonly and recklessly. But like I said, my position on the Murph prep thing has changed a little bit. I used to be much mm -hmm. more in Max's camp, but now I'm kind of have my foot on both sides of the rail. You're 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 Switzerland. All right, James, what do you got? I think Murph prep is fine. I really you know, it's like if again, if somebody wants to do Murph prep, this might be the biggest workout of their year. Maybe you know, it's not the open. Maybe they don't compete. Maybe they're not getting ready for the Turkey Trot 5K. Maybe Murph is their yearly event to build up for, self-assess. You know, it's their final exam. And I don't see anything wrong with doing a little extra Murph prep if it helps dial them into it. Now, if the reason we're hating on Murph prep is because, you know, we, we are relying on that too much to get people ready rather than having um, good development, consistency, progress throughout the rest of the year, variance, balance in our programming, then I think that's a different conversation and issue. But right, I also that's, think that's, that's, that's more what I was saying, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. I totally agree with that. Like, I think if you, if, if you're only doing pull-ups in the month of May, you know, like you fucked up coaches. Um, yeah. if you're not helping your athletes progress throughout the year to get their first pull-up and they want it, you messed up. I think if we're not doing weighted runs once in a while, we've messed up, you know, it's like all, all of this kind of stuff. So I think in that way, one kind of like what MDV says, if people want to do Murph prep, I think that's great. It's our job to make it accessible to them and help them walk through the process. If that's what they really want or need to do. And if they are going to do it, help them do it successfully. And if they don't want Murph prep or whatever, great. They don't need it. But I don't see any anything wrong with it. And the other thing is this. I do think there's an issue, like MDV is saying, you know, it's not like you're going to see all these people who haven't run with a vest all of a sudden do Murph and then, you know, June rolls around and they're all dead. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, they're going to be likely fine. But if you haven't been running with weight all year and now you want to throw on a vest and go run a mile at the end of the month, I think a little buildup to getting there is is really smart and intelligent. Two miles. Um, Two miles, well, yeah, and then all the extra other weighted stuff. Well, right, but then so I listen. I, I I agree with what you're saying. My my standpoint was the program should be varied enough that you're doing pull ups, push ups, and air squats on a pretty regular basis. Like I know at tilt leading up to Murph, the week leading up to Murph, we go Angie, Chelsea, Barbara, Cindy, Mary, <laughs> and then and then so that many we, we do half Murph. <laughs> we so, well, on on Friday we do half Murph. No, so listen, in, in a good program you should be running a lot. You know, like it's warm here in New England. We're doing Jerry today. Great, first off, great hero workout. One one of my fav one of my top hundred favorite hero workouts. Number one hero workout, Glenn. Number one hero workout, Glenn. It's got it all. Grace rope climbs, running hundred burpees at the end. Really good, um, but. This brings me to, to the next question. 
Um, yep. Uh, which is when is it appropriate for somebody to do a vested Murph, right? Like, like, okay. MDV is talking about the safety side of things, right? Like, is it appropriate for, for everybody to, to toss on a vest? Like, you know, James is like, Hey man, this is your Super Bowl. Yeah. Go ahead. Wear a vest. We don't care if you die in June, right? Just make it through the workout, That's right? That's not like, what I'm saying. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I, this no, is like I, an impossible question to answer because it's like, when is anybody ready to do anything? You're ready when you're ready. and Ready for know, the unknown and the unknowable. Only you and right. your coach yes, yes. can really fully understand that. Mostly you. You have to fully understand whether you're ready or not. Your coach can have a really great insight into whether you're ready or not based on how much you've been training, what your workouts have been looking like, what your fitness background is, whatever existing injuries, conditions, et cetera, mental state, physical state, psychological state you might be in at the time. Are you ready for this? But I think overall, like with Murph, just make good decisions. The worst thing that you could ever do with this workout is do this workout. If you want workout. Murph prep, DM me for any the three people who listen to this. I'll help you out with it. We'll get you dialed in to hit your Murph goal. There's nothing wrong with doing a little Murph prep. All Not right. a James you know what? And, and, and you know prep. what? New website, James Hobart. Well, you know what? Waivers exist for a reason, right? So, oh, right. Get that's out what of I, here. That, Be no, careful with those saying. waivers. No, no, that's what MDB says. Like, hey, man, you signed a waiver, right? When you no, 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 be no, ready. no, unknown, unknown. That's unknown. not what I'm saying at all. That's I'm not kidding. What I'm saying I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm anyway. Listen, bo- bottom line, new business from James. We're very excited for for the Murph Prep, uh, for the Murph Prep program coming out because this will come out next next Tuesday, which will give people about two weeks, which is about <laughs> all you need to to get ready to to do. You're gonna it, just to wear a weight vest all day around your house. You're gonna sleep so in it. I- you're gonna yep. shit in it. You're showering it. As much as that's a joke, there's probably there's probably something to that. To actually just having a vest on and, and walking in it and moving around in it for a little bit to get accustomed to the extra weight of your body. Weren't you really big into MDB like, was the, the biggest, rug king? He's the, the rug Vested walks. Like you remember when that was like you were Still like doing, doing a seven mile vested walk every day. Still doing it. Um, I don't do it as heavy anymore. I do it with a 20-pound vest that's Who is the guy? front and back. The liver king? No, carried the calf. Um, Jesus. Milo. Jesus? Milo of Croton. Milo, yeah, he, he, he was young, and he started off by carrying the baby calf. And as uh, the calf this is going grew, off the rails. And he got really strong. That's you, MDV. You're my well. First off, there really is there famous, is no really there, famous there is no religious affiliation. Journal. There's no religious affiliation on this podcast. This is not religious. It's it's it's, it's ancient, not a re- ancient Greek. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, anyway, all right. As anyway, Max said, pick it. up a book and read for crying out loud. You yeah, eager, no, you're right. lunatics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> read a book. Pick up, no, pick up you're, a book you're and right. read while you're doing your Murph prep, you egomaniacs. <laughs> you, you had to look that up, you liar. Wow. I, 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 had to remember, I couldn't remember Milo's name, but I remembered the story. Yeah, you're yeah right. yes, for sure. And, and his brother, Otis. Pilo. No, Milo and Milo and oh, Otis Milo is this really is this really cute movie about uh, a pug dog and, and like a cat. Yeah, cat, right? So, all right, listen, fellas, all it's right. It's got nothing on Homeward Bound. Great, or Ren and great. Yeah, love you guys. <laughs> See you next week. Peace. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. 
And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.